hello and welcome to another episode of Our Generation On Air. My name is Alex Bullimore and I am joined by all three of our podcast regulars. We have gathered together because there is a, a matter that we have to discuss, uh, unfortunately, something of grave importance. Uh, we didn't really want to do any podcasts during the World Cup, but here we are. Uh, and of course, that uh, that very important thing is where is elijah dixon bonner uh, that's what i want to know that's the only thing i want to talk about right now no of course not we're talking about bill i have to talk about bill so dan lambert ben Sutmer, micah chudley welcome onto this most unfortunate of podcasts uh how are you all feeling today happy to be here so i can vent <laughs> all right yeah i can see that yeah, I'm. I just wanted to watch the World Cup. To be honest with you, yeah, I um, I kind of managed to miss every good game today. So yeah, you no, know, thanks yeah. a lot for Rest for that, point. Michael. Uh, ben, any? How are you today, my friend? I mean, I'm I'm feeling like genuinely ill. Not even related, but I'm just feeling I'm having a horrible day anyway. And then this has happened, and it's it's just been like just a sort of continual low point, really. Not to immediately lower the mood. Well, I don't think the mood's ever going to get sort of, you know, that joyous <laughs> at this point. Um, you know, we've all been reading stuff and watching videos about this uh, really unfortunate situation. So, of course, Mick Beale has left um, after a matter of months at the in the job um, and gone up north to Glasgow Rangers, a job that seemingly he always wanted. Um by the looks of things so first things first Dan you know sum up your sort of general feeling on where we are with this move at this point um what do you, what do you mean what do you mean by sum up though because there's a well, lot su- sum up how not, not sum up the whole sort of saga but just sort of like you know how it, your sort of base opinion towards this at this point um I'm glad he's gone first and foremost um especially what we'll touch on in a bit. Um, he's basically taken us from rugs since day one. Um, bullshit his way about, especially with the interview. Um, oh, there, we, there you go. We get, we're going to have to put explicit warning now on this Well, well it's true though, isn't it? You can't, there's no, yeah. he is, he's a total. Yeah. He's, he's lied, he's lied yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. Is there, is there, I, I, yeah, I'll, I'll leave it to you guys for now. Uh, Ben, I'm coming to you as you are. Uh, you work for a uh, a paper, I guess. So you're going to have a diplomatic approach to this, please. Yeah, um, it's. I'm. I'm not going to use the language that Dan has used, but I'm feeling pretty similar. Um, it is a difficult one. I mean, I think by the time people listen to this, a lot of them will have read um, Clive Clive Whittingham's assessment of the whole thing, where he talks about the sort of suspicions that he had uh, at various points that Beale was uh, was taking us for a ride, whether it was with the uh, with the Wolves job, um, where it was kind of clear that he'd had more contact with them than he indicated. I myself kind of bought into it all a bit too much. I didn't really have those suspicions and it's been kind of proven that I was wrong not to. Um, but I, I did, yeah, while understanding that Beale had probably spoken to Wolves, I did understand, I, I did believe that he was being true in all the sort of I'm I've got integrity and I wouldn't want to be the first to jump ship and so on 
and uh, it's basically been proven to be a load of rubbish. Um, and I think he will probably be successful at Rangers, but it's it's very very early, and I I sort of don't understand the whole thing. Um, if I'm being honest. Yeah, uh, Micah. Well, I remember us talking post the Wolves debacle a couple of weeks ago, and I think one of the questions I did ask at the time was, "Do you believe what he said uh, in the interview? Do you think that's enough to sort of prove his loyalty to us?" And also, you know, do you believe a word of it? Um, you know, so just sort of with all that in mind, how does it feel today? Yeah, it's a, it's an odd one. Uh, probably the biggest understatement of the year. I think um, lo- looking back on it, I think looking back on it with a bit more clarity, I think maybe we all did buy into the whole um, oh, he stayed because of loyalty and integrity thing. I think we did all buy into the story a little bit, but I think a big part of us buying into the story was the guy coming out and saying that those are big things to him. Those are, you know, the values that he has. Him coming out and sort of effectively saying he was here to stay at least for the season and he wants to take QPR up to the Premier League. So, I mean, you can you can say, and maybe it's fair, you can say, oh, you guys were delusional for buying into it. But, I mean, you can't take the responsibility off the man that said those words. He's Nobody forced him to sit down and give that interview, you know? Nobody um, nobody forced him to do a lap of the pitch, tap the badge, talk about, you know, how happy he is with how things are going. Um, he, he said all those things, you know? And all we can do as fans is kind of just, you know, take his word for it. So, you know, if a man's gone back on his word, you know, there's not really much in as fans we can do about it, I suppose. Yeah, I think the point you're making there about sort of taking, you know, taking a man by his words he's saying, that's absolutely valid. What you're saying about no one forced him into that sort of situation where he has to do that interview. I wonder whether the club have sort of manoeuvred this quite well from a PR point of view, in the sense that they got him to say all those things. And now, if you look at it, no one is saying the club's at fault for this. And we know the club wasn't at fault. But as we know, there's always, they always get bad press. But the, the only bad press going on here is directed at McBeal. Everyone's sort of thinking, you know, we made the right appointment in the summer based on the evidence that we have as the sort of average fan. We, we looked at McBeal and we all got a bit excited because we knew that he was going to bring in young players, from Aston Villa, you know, there was those Cameron Archer links and everyone was a bit excited. We're going to have a, a new style of manager. He's a bit more dynamic than what Mark Wolverton was. You know, there, there was hope there and you looked at it and this, as Clive has mentioned in his piece, which Ben has already referenced, this was the sort of appointment that we, if another club are made, we'd be looking at them going, that's what we should be doing. Not not signing Steve McLaren again. We should be doing this. We should be getting people in like Mick Beale. This is what we should be doing. But now it's got to a point where, you know, he said all those things in that interview with the club. I just wonder, is this sort of like, have they learned a little bit from that Nakuel situation where they probably shouldn't have said too much, but they got someone to say something that's made him look like an idiot. And the club itself walks out of it, not necessarily feeling great, but perhaps looking a bit better. I think there's um, also like a point to make there on 
you said that the club haven't had bad press out of it, and they haven't really. And there's been one or two people trying to criticise the club, and and one of the points I've seen made is all oh, sort of the fact that they didn't look like they were going to back him and all that sort of thing. And I'm almost hesitant to same engage people, with it. Though, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, first yeah. of all, it's the same people, but I also think even if there is a case of look, the squad was looking a little bit thin, and and blah 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 blah, and all these conversations we have over and over again regardless of whether you think the club should be spending more money, regardless of actually whether you're quite savvy to the situation and why they can't spend more money, these are all things that Mick Beale knew and would have mm. known when he took the job and when he decided to leave the job. Um, and indeed, when he started flirting with Wolves, not very long into the job, when the team was in absolutely fantastic form. It's one thing saying he's looking at Rangers now and the form's taken a dip and actually there's some question marks around him as a manager. Not many, and there wouldn't have been many if he'd been you know, if he'd have decided to stay. But at the point at which he first started looking at leaving QPR, um, the team was playing well, regardless of the constraints that he absolutely knew would be there. Um, so I, 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 I don't know what point I started out making there, but I just think it's one worth highlighting that any sort of FFP and we're a smaller club with smaller gates and all that sort of thing, none of this was was unknown to Mick Beale. Um, and I don't think it should be presented as a reason for him leaving or as an excuse for him leaving. Absolutely. I think at the time that we talked about the uh the wolves situation that that was a kind of suggestion that was coming up quite a bit but like you said you know this shouldn't be strange for him to find out that qbr have no money Heart, majority of the championship don't have any money like there no there was barely anyone actually buying players this summer it was all freeze and loans and whatnot um we hear so much about Bill being such a, you know, I think again to reference Clive's piece about him getting into the room with someone and his presentations. And as when he gets you into the room, he has an unbelievable ability to convince you that he is the right man for the job or that you need to be doing this on the football pitch or whatnot. From the flip side, if he's that well sort of versed in looking into players and stuff like that, he should be able to basically look up any newspaper article involving QPR, which basically says that we're broke every every time. You know, there's always quotes from Les flying about Western Sport, whatever. It wasn't, it's not impossible to find out that QPR have basically got no money. That, that shouldn't be a shock to him uh, at all. Uh, Dan, we mentioned there the the form that we're in. You know, last couple of games have been really disappointing. Um, firstly, do you think there's anything to do with the fact that perhaps some of the players knew what was a bit more than us behind the scenes, that actually his head was turned quite a bit more significantly than we thought? And secondly, you know, he came, when he was going for that Wolves job, he was very highly rated because of what we were doing here. And, you know, we were top of the league and stuff like that, but a little bit of a blip and that's his first real opportunity to prove himself as a manager. And he's sort of got run away from it. Yeah. Well, in terms of the first bit, the players, I don't know. I don't think the players would have known. I could be wrong. That's just a guess. But I mean, I think we said last week or whenever the, the commentary run was, he hasn't really been using his subs, you know, he waxed Liverpool about the five sub rule that's going to help him. I know he has another best best of subs available to him, but I think the commentary game, he made his first sub with 10 minutes to go. Kind of probably sent a message to the board, I think we said. Um, so he knew what he's up against. And in terms of what we were saying when he was uh, about us not having the most money, from what I gathered, the only reason or the main reason he came to the job was because um, 
the board agreed not to sell either Dieng, Willock or, or Chair. Um, and he, he kept saying at the start of his start of his tenure that he wakes up in, um, in the morning and gets excited to coach the likes of Chair and Willock. So, um, yeah, in that sense, I'm not sure about the players. What was the, sorry, what was the second bit again? I completely... Um... Well, the fact that he's got to, you know, he he's got this massive reputation, and he he was fine when you know when the going was good, he was going for these jobs. But now the going isn't so good, and we were sort of, it was the first chance to see like the test of him as a proper manager, wasn't it? He, he's got to test his metal and sort of turn it around. Yeah, we don't get yeah. to see that now. No, no, yeah, you're right. You're right. I think I remember saying that we kind of we'll be able to see what he's like when um he kind of goes on a bad. Path. Yeah, we don't get to see that. Um, yeah, but, that's, but that is it's over now, isn't it? So um, that's yeah, we can't do much about that. Yeah, and just a point on it quickly as a career move for Beal, like because obviously you get football Twitter, football Twitter, you get Rangers fans going, oh, but it's a bigger club and it's this and that, and and I'm kind of indifferent to all that. But Beal was starting to have a few slip ups at a club at which he would be given the time uh, to deal with that, and he will probably be given the time at Rangers. They're not a sort of they don't sack people out of the blue quickly but it is a less forgiving environment for him to make mistakes in i think i think that's fairly clear especially if those mistakes end up affecting title races in the in the scottish prem and so on so it's a it's a bold move for him this early on i know he's highly rated and he is very good and i'm not going to pretend he isn't very good just because he's left us but it's not an easy environment for him to walk into mm. the thing is about that is that Giovanni von Bronckhorst. Now, I, I'm not a massive follower of Scottish League football, and I didn't really watch them in their European campaigns. I know they had a shocking time in the Champions League, and it's kind of proven that there's a massive gap between Scottish domestic football and the rest of Europe. But von Bronckhorst got them into the Champions League for the first time in what over a decade, and also took them to a final in of European football, and he's been sacked because they're second to Celtic. Second, they're, they don't want to be second. So if it come six months' time, if he's not top of the league, perhaps won a couple of the domestic cups, you know, unseated a Celtic side that look a lot better than Rangers on paper, you know, in the league, he could be out of the job. It's it's not... This isn't a safe bet. The, the, that sort of... The... The Glasgow football is bizarre in many, many ways. And if you go back to what Warburton said about his time there, he still gets people messaging him, telling him he was either great and amazing or that he was the worst thing to ever happen to Rangers. And it, you, there's it, there's no sort of in-between. And it's, it's different, I feel, to anything down here. So, Mike, I'd be interested to hear kind of what you think as well. Like, you know, He's going up there. This is not a safe bet for him, is it? Because it's, it's a very easy job to fail in. Yeah, there were some really great words in, uh, I cannot remember which paper or the guy that wrote it, um, but he described Rangers as, uh, I think I'm paraphrasing, as a Rottweiler that is just as likely to lick you to death with affection as he is to biting your hand off, uh, biting your hand off when you reach out to pet it. Um, which I think is a very accurate kind of description of that job. I mean, if it goes well for him, you know, he'll be a hero there. I mean, what was it? One title in three seasons, Steven Gerrard got there and he still seems to be sort of quite 
fondly remembered just for getting that first title in however many years. Um, so, you know, it could work out for him. He could be a legend at Rangers, you know, and being a legend at a club like Rangers, kind of one of the two big clubs in Scotland, you know, it does hold a bit more weight than, you know, a promotion from the championship. I get that. But at the same time, you know, it's the type of job that can kill your career, especially when you've got them in the circumstances that he's gone and got them. Um, it's a risk. It's it's a massive risk for him personally. Um, and yeah, Clive said it in his piece, which I'm sure people would have read by the time they heard this. You know, it's it's kind of accepted he was the brains behind it um, <clears throat> at Rangers and at Villa, but he was one of four or five coaches on that staff. You know, Gary McAllister was there, Stephen Gerrard was there. Um, there's other other coaches, so it's not like it was just him. You know, it's not guaranteed that just because he was a good manager, a good assistant there in the past, that will be a good manager. Back to Ben's point as well, which is that, you know, this is the first time we've really seen him go for a rough patch. I know at the start of the year, we had a couple of funny results with Blackpool and Rotherham back to back. But, you know, that was more down to, uh, you know, we had personnel coming in more so than the fact that where we are now is that we've got a settled squad, a supposedly settled way of playing. And now the results have turned bad. How does he respond to that? We'll never know. He's going to have to, you know, wrestle with that when he goes to Scotland. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm personally quite bemused by it. I mean, maybe I've got my QPR goggles on, but I just think the risk for a young manager, especially after the things he said, it's just massive. It's really massive and potentially detrimental. Yeah, Ben or Dan, whoever wants to take this, uh, this whole saga, how much do you think in the long run that this could sort of damage his reputation, especially if it goes wrong at Rangers or if in six months' time he's tempted by, I don't know, a, cha a Premier League club that have got into Europe or are close to getting into Europe? I, I don't know who that would be. Probably Newcastle's a bad example because that's a very different sort of thing. But if, let's say, someone just below who's getting into the Europa League say if Leicester got into the Europa League again, that sort of level of club. And they're, yeah. you know, they, they, at a certain point, when the clubs sort of look at him and go, hey, can we trust him? It totally depends, man. If he, if he goes on to be massively successful at Rangers, I think this will all be forgotten about. Honestly, genuinely, I can't I can't see it hanging over him. It's it's totally a crossroads. Um, I... You're my gut instinct. I don't think this is going to harm his career um, unless unless things take a real nosedive. Um, and I think a lot of Rangers fans are looking at him and not really taking this side of things into account and looking at it and going, he's got a fantastic record at Rangers and he's really popular here and uh, and blah, blah, blah. I think it would be wise to take some notice of it, but I this is this is very QPR-centric and, and I think probably based on what we've seen of him at QPR, he'll go on to have a fantastic career. Um, one of the funny things that came out of uh, a chat that I had this morning with uh, some Rangers podcast is that I mentioned our recent failings at uh, Corners, which I know Dan had also had a few conversations with Rangers fans about uh, and mentioned a couple of times on the podcast in the last couple of weeks and, you know, described exactly what was happening. And they said that sounds very familiar to uh, what was happening under Gerard, and even now their set plays aren't exactly outstanding 
and, and now I've seen them sort of get a little bit worried about that and you know small victories and you know it's kind of a little bit satisfying at least to see that but um I, I don't really know what else to say about it anyone else got any sort of burning things that they need to get off their chest at this point uh probably probably <laughs> Uh, it's just it's just for me it's really um uh i just i just it just feels like the season's over now and i hate to be pessimistic i hate to be that guy and i really hope we come back and laugh at me saying this at the end of the season but it's like for me like the the window just gone was crucial you know it was zebra reset or we kind of go for it again in terms of the playoffs um I believe we're supposed to be negotiating currently with Willett for a new deal. God knows what's going to happen with that. Laird and Tim, I'd be surprised if come January they don't go back to their parent clubs. Um, we're now saddled with Tyler Roberts, um, <laughs> which could be a good or a bad thing. We never know. Um, I, I'm sitting here feeling really bad for Kenneth Powell. He's left his pregnant fiance, I believe, in Holland to come and play here. Feeling bad for Jake Clark Salter as well. You know, all these guys that come to the club to play for him. Um, it just kind of feels really sour now. It's going to take such a big personality to come in and not even just lift the players, but the whole club, to be honest with you. Um, I honestly think it might be a situation where, look, we just get to the end of the season with as many points as we can and then, you know, probably lose a couple of Willock, Chair, Diang in the summer. And probably reset. Dan, looking ahead to that game against Burnley when we return from the World Cup, what sort of atmosphere are you expecting around Loftus Road? Um, I don't see any reason for it not to be positive in terms of backing the players, because obviously the players have been put in this situation. So I can imagine the crowd will get behind them. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know where their heads will be at. How they'll how how um how much they'll be affected by, to be honest. Um, and it doesn't really get much harder than, than Burnley on the return. So it'll be an intro. It will be an interesting um, day and game. But um, no, you just got to back the players, haven't you? Yeah. Um, also, with that point that Michael was saying there, Dan, do you think this hastens the uh, return of Iribunum and Laird to their parent clubs? Yeah, possibly. Um, obviously, we saw that United might recall call Laird if I think Wan-Bissaka gets sold, so that might happen regardless if, if Mitbill went or not. Um, I don't know with Irabian and whether they Villa would uh, renew him because really they've got quite a lot of good um, midfield depth. You'd, you'd, you'd assume so. Whether they just let let the player develop for the remainder of the season and kind of see where he's at, then I hope they both stay because um, they're key players to us, but. It's not really in our control with the fact we take loan players. Yeah, so um, Ben, where do you think, like, you know, Mike has also mentioned it there, where do you think it leaves these three players that supposedly Bill wanted us not to sell at the start of the season? What, what are they, you know, two of them are out of the World Cup right now. One of them, contract is running down at certain points. So, you know, where does it leave... Does it mean that the, at at some point in the next two windows, unless there's something changes with the managerial appointment and it's really inspiring, 
yeah, we're going to have to see one of these guys depart, at least. In a word, yes. Um, I I will never instinctively want to call for any of Willock, Chair or Dieng to leave this football club um, because they have been, in their own ways, our standout players for the last three years or so. Um, but I think we're probably overdue for, for selling at least one of them. Uh, if you look at the window before last season where we brought in the loan signings of what Hanson, Field, Austin, Device as uh, as permanents, there was a bit of an understanding there of we're going to do this because we've got a real shot at promotion in our third season under a manager and so we're not going to make any big sales because we don't want to disrupt that. Fair enough. That then doesn't work. You shift some some financial weight in terms of, for instance, Charlie Austin's wages. So you maybe think, okay, maybe we don't need to make a sale. And actually, we've recruited quite well, and maybe we don't need to get rid of them, and that's okay. All the while, there's contracts running down, form can come in and out. And the big elephant in the room, I think, is that the club talk about appointing managers that fit with a certain style, a certain ethos, and that ethos includes youth development, and it includes selling players, and it's not actually something that we do. Uh, and we haven't done it since it's Berriese, really. Um, there has been some decent recruitment. There has been recruitment of players that have either ended up increasing in value or ones like Lyndon Dykes, where regardless of how things have gone, you've got to look at as a good signing and one that had the potential to increase in value. But you, you have got to make those sales. And I think possibly a slightly floaty end to a season in which we maybe finish sort of 14th um, is a time to actually rip off that plaster and go, look, we've got to do it at some point. Um, y- y- I think we could probably get away with, for instance, selling Willock, keeping chair, if chair wanted to stay. Something like that I think is very viable, but I don't think we can sit on those three players for another window uh, without it becoming slightly unsensible to do it. Yeah, I think um, beyond, beyond that as well, sorry, just to add to Ben's point, no beyond, that, beyond that as well, it's, it's pretty clear that inability to actually spend money is hampering the team now. I mean, we've not mm. had a permanent right-back since Darnell Furlong left the club, really, or if you want to count Angel Rangel for a season. So, like, the situation is, it's, it's probably for the good of the club now, probably just to move one of these guys on. I mean, they clearly, uh, two of, I mean, I think Dieng's one of the best keepers in the championship, but I think Cher and Willock are two of the best players in the championship. You know, I'm sure they could probably go on and further their career elsewhere. Maybe, you know, 10 million quid invested into the squad for one or two of them. Might might actually just be what the club needs to move forward more than anything else. Looking forward, then we've we're going to wrap this up now, um, and we'll let you guys get on with your evenings and sort of try and forget that this is all happening. Um, but who would you want to see take over, and who's is there going to be a a name out there right now? that's going to be inspiring enough? Or should we have done that? Should we have just sacked him weeks ago and got in Gorbran? <laughs> that's what Dan's going to say. <laughs> uh, no. I hate, I hate, I'm vehemently like against picking managers midway through the season. Um, so I, I wouldn't even be, I, I'm not even going to, I'm not, I won't say Chris Ramsey till the end of the season, but if we were to get someone in on the interim basis till the end of the season, I, I wouldn't be, furious about it um I think of the names available the one that stands out to me is Critchley but I mean the scene talks with Bournemouth I'm not even sure what's happening they've just appointed Gary O'Neill oh have they yeah oh well at least it's not going to be Gary O'Neill uh he's a legend yeah I mean the Gary O'Neill shouts feel very uh Joey Barton and Clint Hill as his assistant do you know what I mean it's it's got got a lot of that 
energy to it. I critically would probably be the one for me that stands out that's available, I'd say. So uh reading between the lines there, Micah says uh, Marcelo Bielsa. Dan, uh your put your person to be appointed, please. I'd drive him to Loftus Road myself if it was possible. <laughs> um to be honest, to be honest, a bit like Mark, I haven't really thought about replacements. I think Critchley seems the obvious one from what um what was said about kind of who we were after in the summer and we couldn't really afford his payout clause. Um I probably have slight concerns with Critchley just because it's quite a I don't know. Can, can he can he implement a technical possession style? Obviously, at Blackpool is heavy heavy pressing, lower budget, lower technical quality of players. It's a bit different to what we had under Bill. Um, I think he's he fits the bill in terms of he's got a good um, develop track development of um, of players that he's he's kind of developed, um, and he is tactically flexible, which kind of kind of suits what what I think we should be after. So, yeah, he's probably the standout name. I haven't really seen. Um, who else has been linked to whatever? I think Mark Robbins was touted as an exclusive, but whether that's true or not, I don't know. Um, but but yeah, pretty critically seems the obvious. Yeah, uh, Ben, you can also choose to agree with these two as well if you wish and go with Critchley. Also, uh, I would like to know from you sort of that we are getting a bit of compensation from Bill. So would would it be your hope that that compensation from him gets reinvested somehow into the squad? this January so that they have a little bit of a, a, a more wiggle room to play with because there was, you know, they did want to try and sign Danny McNamara. So there's some money there, I assume. Yeah. I, I want to see it reinvested. I'm I'm not so sure about this winter. I, I'd sort of have to sort of agree with Micah in terms of this season feels a little bit over before it's properly, properly begun. But you know, in, in layman's terms, if you're looking at spending 1.5 million this winter or selling a player for 15 million in the summer and then tacking that 1.5 onto what you can spend with it, I'd rather be doing that. Uh, in terms of the names, Richley, Robbins, honestly, all sound fine to me. I, I don't watch a whole load of championship football that isn't QPR. I wouldn't want to pretend that I do. But from what I've seen of their teams against us, I would be happy enough with those appointments um, unless we can sort of do what I believe would be a first and bringing a manager on loan and uh, give it warbs till end of the season. But I think that's probably not possible. Uh, so I just, I'd, to be honest, I'd take anyone that sort of offers a bit of stability and uh, and doesn't play awful football, but that's probably what most championship fans would take. I think the idea of Warburton coming back to the club is probably, uh, I think you'll probably see Beal return before Warburton at this point. He definitely burnt his bridges with the board and Les and the rest, uh, especially considering... He endorsed Beal going up to Rangers this week. So. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I and I, I would hate for my comments to be taken fully seriously there as well. Um, I, I, th- I think honestly, and I'm, I'm just, you know, looking back at Warburton now as, as, as someone that handled himself a bit differently. I'm not, I'm not actually saying we should bring him in. Uh, but uh, there we go. Well, look, it's, it's been a depressing day, a depressing couple of days before a QPR fan, you know, and. You know, to hear us saying like the sort of the season's over before it's begun isn't necessarily what you'd perhaps want to hear, but you know, that's kind of the feeling that we've got here at the moment between the four of us. Um, and it's going to be a difficult uh second half of the season, but hopefully, you know, something the club can surprise us and perhaps the players can surprise us as well. Um, and you know, you don't want to read too much into it, but maybe hit the idea that what Bill wasn't actually fully in was affecting the players in the last couple of weeks. Um, 
so you know there's not much to say in the sense apart from the fact that we're all gutted that this has happened and we wish it could have gone any other way really um and hopefully like i said something can be done that is going to keep a little bit of interest in this season going because we had a good thing there for a couple of months and it's uh it's annoying that we've it's been taken away from us so thank you very much to dan to ben to micah for coming on and uh you know having a bit of a bitch and moan about this uh much needed i think uh and we will be back uh i guess sort of post world cup in time to preview Burnley, which I'm sure will be fun and games. <laughs> so uh, until next time, thank you very much for listening. Uh, come on, you